Hey everyone, welcome to the LBC Podcast, where we explore Christian theology and practice for the building up of God's family. My name is John, I'm the worship director here at LBC, and joining me today are a few folks you might be familiar with. We have Mr. Eric Roundson. Hi, how's it going? Leslie Carroll. Hey! Sorry, <laughs> I was dared to do that. <laughs> and Pastor Eric Burns. Hello. No one dared me, so we're good. <laughs> it's good. Two Eric's on the podcast. This is a little, uh, little, gonna, little bit unconventional. How, how do we differentiate? Decipher? Yeah. I know. Well, um, some of the younger generation here call me CK since I have a C and a K in my name. CK, that's your nickname. That's, that is was here. Was that yeah. your rap star name as well? Uh, it was a camp name I was given. So <laughs> at Wildwood, anybody else have any nicknames? I have a nickname. I don't think I'm going to allow you to call me a while we're on the podcast, but I'll share it. Okay. When I, my nickname as a child was Minute. Hmm. You should, if you're here, you get to see the looks that they all just gave me. <laughs> but it's because when I was born, it took my, a minute. my grandma said I was no bigger <laughs> than a minute. Oh, oh no cute. bigger than a minute? It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but it was cute at the time, so it stuck. Yeah, I mean, with, in context, it's cute. You know? Yeah, if you're just out of context, you're like, hey, Minute. You're like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> right. And it was only like my family called it. It wasn't anybody else, so. Well, that makes I sense. like it. Did you ever win it? <laughs> I did not, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Pastor? Uh, no, I think the only ones I can remember is just like the abbreviated E, right? Just E? E, yeah. So we got E, we got CK, we got Minute. Yeah, but then Enron happened, and we stopped calling him E. Yeah. you know, it's just a bad. <laughs> That's an old joke. Sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> well, hey, you may have noticed that the podcast has taken a little bit of a break this year. You know, the mission of the LBC podcast remains the same. It's to explore Christian theology and practice for the building up of God's family. And we want this ministry to be kind of like a second pulpit where we can discuss really hard questions related to the Bible, culture, family, and any challenges that we face in everyday life. And we want to look at all of these things through a biblical lens. We want to help you, the listener, grow as we learn to discuss important and sometimes very complex topics within the healthy tension of grace and truth. And so we've taken a little bit of a hiatus to just kind of, you know, hit reset. It's always good to strive for a little bit more excellence. And that's what we're striving to do here. So we got some new faces, new voices here with us with interesting nicknames. <laughs> yeah. I'm already sorry that I shared that, Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Nobody's going to hear it. <laughs> Nobody will know. Well, hey, today we've got the, a very special topic. We're going to be talking about new age, the new age in the church. And I'm not talking about like a new age of the church. What we're talking about here is... Young people. Actual, yeah, not new people. <laughs> what we're talking about here is new age-ism. We're talking about new age philosophies that whether you know it or not are actually infiltrating the church. And we see it a lot more prevalently than you might think, you know. There was a study done in 2018 by Pew Research that was really eye-opening, and their study found that 61% of professing Protestant evangelical Christians, 61% believe in at least one New Age belief. Some of these include the belief that spiritual energy can be located in physical things, or belief in psychics, that psychics are a good thing to go to, that they can predict the future and have deep insight into your life. Belief in reincarnation, believe it or not, and belief in astrology to help guide us. And the numbers are pretty interesting. 37%, 37% of people hold to the idea that spiritual energy can be located in physical things. 40% of professing evangelical Protestant Christians, 40% believe in psychics, 29% believe in reincarnation, 26% believe in astrology. So what's going on here? That's the question that we want to kind of address. And how do we look out for these things? To be honest, I was shocked to hear these numbers because I kind of grew up with at least some mentality of understanding that, you know, it's not good to go to psychics. That's what I was taught. Yeah. And even growing up in Ojai, I mean, I kind of grew up in the lion's den of new age. Ojai is just ripe with it. Um, they're literal crystal shops on the corners. I mean, you've right. got a whole entire mountain that is meditation mountain. And the whole thing is designed for anybody of any religion to come and pray to their God so that the Ojai Valley will be blessed. How is it that the church 
is believing these things, especially things like reincarnation, when the Bible says nothing, nothing about that. Well, as we dive in, I think the first thing that's important for us to understand is what is New Age philosophy, New Age beliefs, New Ageism, or mysticism? What is it exactly? So I'll start with um, a definition I came across, and then I'll, I'll explain it a little bit. So um, the definition is the doctrine that individual can come into immediate contact with God. And here's the key phrase, through subjective experiences, mm. which differ essentially from the experience of ordinary life. And so when you take just kind of that base definition, it's people want to tap into the the spiritual matters of life or the kind of the shock and awe of life spiritually and and kind of make it through their experience meaning you know that was what god is like they want to be able to have godlike qualities they want to be able to um, have more more meaning to their life they want permission in in the things they seek and so it's kind of like a a mix of curiosity with self-affirmation Right. And so uh, your, your typical kind of Christianity, th they might say, is too uh, mundane or too stiff mm -hmm. or too rigid. And what the mystic allows you to do is to to get a special knowledge or a secret knowledge that you've attained through your experience. So no one can critique it. No one can look down on it because it's your experience. So uh, and, and that experience becomes godlike. Well, and it's, it's Gnosticism in, in the newest sense. One of the things I do find very interesting about New Age and mystics, you know, going, it starts, I mean, really in America, it, it really starts in the 60s and, and, you know, into the 70s. But one of the things that I find really interesting and why I think it's so, um, it's, it's kind of bled into the church is because it, it, it's, it's about, you know, self. It's mm -hmm. about looking into yourself. It's about um, discovering who you are. Um, and, and it's positive in the sense of like new agers aren't looking to destroy the world. They're looking at, you know, trying to stay in the world, be helpful of things, right? Things that creep into the church that might not be doctrinally sound, they're never like inherently evil, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah, those things point. don't work. Like Satan masquerades as, as an angel of light, right? And, and his followers. So like nothing's going to be like, well, we know that's, you know, bad. It's going to look positive. It's going to look um, friendly and, and helpful even. Yeah, I think um, if you can focus on two phrases, secret knowledge and subjective experience. Mm. It's a knowledge that can't be had or found in, in, a, in a Bible or in a textbook. Um, it's something that, that can only be sought through your experience that you know. Um, and then that experience is what gives you meaning of life. It's what gives you permission uh, to pursue certain avenues of life because this experience has told you and shaped you and it's a divine experience that can only be found, this is the secret part, uh, through your channeling either material objects or immaterial through like spirit world or some type of seance or prayer or meditation that you're tapping into these uh, truths about your life mm. that no one else can know. That's what's secret and your experience. And so it kind of becomes a way to, uh, and this is an oversimplification, but do whatever you want because your experience was godlike and no one can argue with it. Mm. And it's almost like people don't want to make the commitment to not only not being a Christian, but even almost to any religion. Yeah. They just want to dip their toe in the water and be quote unquote spiritual yes. without having to follow the guidelines or mm -hmm. the rules of any specific religion, but they so can be true. like, Oh, I'm not a Christian, but I'm spiritual or I'm, you know, like yep. whatever it may oh. be. And, and if you talk to like new age people who are following different, you know, traditions, they, they, they would say they're very spiritual, right? Cause they're trying to understand. But the interesting thing too, is I think most new agers, they believe in the supernatural, right? Yeah. Do you agree with that? Yeah. That's what's weird is, is, um, atheism typically, uh, divorced the supernatural and divorced morals. And now what you're seeing is uh, kind of a, they don't believe in God, but they're spiritual and they believe supernatural things can happen. And th that's what's interesting is there's no uh, like one God, but everyone has like a piece of God within themselves mm -hmm. because that God likeness uh, is what guides them in life. It's what tells them. And that's why they're very careful to say, but that's for me. You know, and you have your own set. 
And so uh, they want to get uh, rid of the idea of a singular God, but create a bunch of many gods that all have given them permission to do um, the passions of their life, to, to hit their created order. Mm. So yeah, it, it's really confusing because they don't want a God, but they want to be God in the sense that they determine their own truth and their own morality and their own experience. Um, but they also want an affirmation to, to pursue that, and that, that affirmation needs to be outside of them, hmm. if that makes sense. So it, it becomes really circular, but it, but essentially it helps people feel like something outside of me is calling me to this, so I have a greater purpose, a greater meaning, and almost I have permission now to do the things. So it comes off positive. It feels yes, positive. very positive. So how do you see it bleeding into the church? So where I think I see it bleeding into the church is people want and this is this goes all the way back to Paul in the New Testament, right? People get bored with the idea of read your Bible, pray, and go to church, <laughs> right? Um, meditate on the Scripture, repent of your sins, um, study the Scripture in community, um, sing biblical songs to God, and this is how your your spiritual growth goes because it it it's not as maybe wow or it doesn't maybe give you the freedom you want. And so people, they want to go to church because they know, hey, that's important. But there's this kind of secret knowledge that you can't find in church, that you can't find in the Bible, mm-hmm. that's been hidden. Mm-hmm. That's the mysticism part. Right? And now it's been revealed. And it's been revealed through this chant, through this type of meditation, through the reading of, you know, stars, crystals, astrology, whatever it is. There's so many variations of what unlocks these secret truths. And it's like, I can have my Jesus, but then I get to have the real stuff over here. And it, it becomes uh, a, a blending of the two. You know what I mean? And, and that's kind of where you see it creeping into Christianity. It's, it's not a, a denial of Jesus. It, it's adding on kind of that Jesus isn't sufficient, right? Ephesians 1 says that we have every spiritual thing we need, we have. It's like, well, no, but there's some things missing. Right. So we're going we're gonna to add on to it and we're going to blend them together. And that's where I see it creeping up in the church is this desire for new. I don't want my parents' church. Um, I've always been taught that. Or, you know, a really an abusive pastor taught that. Mm. And so I can't connect to that anymore. Um, you know, I was brought up in church and it was really harmful for me. They told me a bunch of things I didn't like. And so I don't want to divorce Jesus, but I don't want to adopt everything that was there. So I have these new avenues to kind of fill the hole I've always been wanting to get filled, you know, to be affirmed in my passions or pursuits. And so it becomes a blending uh, of the two, um, usually through some type of either pain, dissatisfaction, boredom, you know, hurt, or just a flat out desire to be different than, you know, what they grew up in. Mm. One of the five most common beliefs that we're finding in the church right now, and this this comes off of, of uh, I think it came from Doreen Virtue, who is a now a believer and um, somebody who was really, in, in her own words, rescued from the New Age movement. She was the number one best-selling author of all New Age books at one point uh, before she came to know Christ and rena- had to renounce all of it. <laughs> wow. um, so she's she's got some great, great resources. She kind of lists out the five most common New Age beliefs that are currently being found in the church, in Western church today. Um, number one is what's called the law of attraction. Number two is follow your heart. Mm. Anybody heard of that before? Oh, yeah. I've seen a lot um, of signs that they want me to, you know, put up in my bedroom that say yeah. follow your heart. Just follow your heart. T-shirt. Um, I follow my nose more than anything. <laughs> that gets me in trouble. Uh, we are all gods, little g. Mm-hmm. This whole mini gods thing, that we are all little gods. Uh, oneness. And we hear a lot about, you know, the Christ consciousness and being one with Christ as being one with everything and all of existence and all of this oneness talk. And then last but not least, all roads lead to God, which, believe it or not, is still something we have to preach against in church every, yep. every single Sunday morning. What's amazing about this list is, I'll be honest, I didn't see some of these originally as New Age thought. For instance, follow your heart. I see that as more of a Disney thing mm-hmm. right. than oh, New yeah. Age. <laughs> you know, I can see it prevalent in the shows that you know that Disney's trying to sell to my kids. You know, um, but I didn't. I never really saw it as a New Age belief. Well, it's kind. Of, it's kind of the American dream, right? Like, do what you want and follow your ambitions, and so I could see how that can can right. can like kind of 
come into manifest destiny, right? This whole like, idea of like, I feel like that's kind of, I could see how that can get pulled into the church because that in itself, I, I feel like it's older, right? You're, you follow your emotions or your feelings and. Well, that's, you're kind of combining number two with, with number five, right? Follow your heart is where all roads lead to God because mm-hmm. God is within you. You know, Oprah years ago, she came out and was endorsing kind of this mix of when Jesus said, I am the truth. It was saying that he is his own truth and And we're all to be Jesus. Mm. And so we are our own truth. So to be true is to be yourself. So kind of you find God in finding yourself. Mm. Right. Right. And that's that's how it moves from Disney to new age. Yeah. Um, Because the, the, the destination isn't happiness. Uh, the destination is fulfilling your godlikeness. And in, in, in case anybody's sitting here wondering, well, what's the problem with following your heart? Um, well, I mean, nothing says it better than Jeremiah seventeen nine. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Let that sink in for a second. Who can understand it? And then verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways according to the fruit of his deeds. Scripture doesn't mince words. Uh, the that heart doesn't is make as good of a sign, though. Yeah, that doesn't make as good. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, mean, like, are you going to really put true. that on your wall? I could put probably, that on my kitchen. Probably like, not, but, you know, maybe I mean, you should. I, I heart is desperately wicked. Welcome to the Herald House. I think, right? I, you know what? <laughs> this is turning me on. To, I, I, I think that LBC should start marketing, like, dish towels with just really hard verses on them. You know, I, Romans, <laughs> Romans I agree, 3.10. It could be po- podcast merch. It we have anything here. I think, tuned, I think folks. Romans 3.10 says it perfectly, right? None are righteous, not one. Mm. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Like, you can't get past, like, we are. You follow your heart. It's not into good things. No. Yeah. yeah. Genesis 6.5, just to beat a dead horse. Um, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every, keyword, every intention. And we love to use mysticism as well that's not my intent even intention of the thoughts of his heart Mm. was only evil continually wow you know so there's not even a break in your heart that's like well this good part over here you know what i mean Mm -hmm. apart from a new heart that jeremiah says you know we'll get and that christ says we'll get when the holy spirit comes uh there's nothing good in there you know and and the good things that we do have is in our new creation, in our uh, child of God, new identity. So I think it's uh, people people have a false starting point that it's even possible, you know, that they would want to. And that's what's interesting in the Bible is God's always trying to tell man, like, you don't really want what you think you want. (laughs) Right. And if you you love is holding back. Yeah. It's like we went through first Samuel. He's like, you don't want a physical king. Like I'm your king. You're better off with me. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, we're fine. And it's like, that's what following your heart. Right. And he's Mm -hmm. he's like, don't do that. Follow me, follow Jesus. And so it's not that he, it it would be unloving if it was, well, then what do I follow? And he said, there's nothing to follow. It's like, well, no, you follow God. You follow his word. You follow Jesus. So there is something for us to follow, find meaning, and find purpose. Mm-hmm. But when it disagrees with our feelings, it's like, oh, there's got to be something else. Yeah. I feel like a lot of these kind of slip in to, you know, not to Christianity, but people kind of get sucked into them almost not even really knowing, like, in the beginning. Because it's like, they seem kind of on the top. Like, follow your heart. Like, that's benign enough. Like, oh, yeah. that seems good. Like, yeah. law of attraction. Like, think positive thoughts, you know, and good yeah. will come to you. Exactly. Right. And yeah. it's like, well, there's nothing on the surface wrong really with being a positive person and thinking positive thoughts. But then it's the road that if you do these things, what are you calling to yourself? What are you getting in return? Mm-hmm. Or then you kind of get down the road of like, well, that was okay in the beginning, you know, but then you really, you took a fork and you turned the wrong way. And they just kind of for a lot of people, it might just be like they slowly suck you in, you know, yep. like the very first step is like, yep. oh, that seems fine enough. But then when you're really getting to the meat of it, it's like, oh, no, no, no. And a lot of these really are kind of connected, I feel, because, you know, if, yeah, if they you're, bleed together. Like you said, if you're if you're if you're beginning with a faulty assumption that we're all basically good mm-hmm. because we're all just little gods, because we've all got, oh. our, you know, our little thing going, then, of course, I can I can think good thoughts and manifest something to come back to me, which, by the way. The prosperity gospel is ripe with this. Right. 
I mean, we like th- that's one of the biggest ways we see this in the quote unquote church. Yeah, that and wokeness, right? You need to be awakened, right? Mm. Woke up to what the the real you needs to be actualization. Yeah. Well, and then you th- if it leads into all roads lead lead to God because. You know, if you start feel, like it doesn't feel fair that, right. it, that not everyone will get to go to heaven, right? If you start mm-hmm. following those feelings, it's going to lead you into yeah, and it does. You know, there's truth in all religions. Then yeah, it doesn't feel fair that you would be restricted of things you care about, right? right? That that you would essentially God would um, create you with these desires and then not let you have them. Mm. You know, um, but that assumes all desires are good. <laughs> right, and that assumes all desires are biblical, and or that your heart always tells you the truth. Yeah, right. I think one one thing to kind of see because the the question was how did this get in the church? I think the key turning point, uh, right around the emerging church era, was mm. um, love your neighbor as yourself, and it, it used to be that 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 part of the verse was there because we know how to love ourselves. Right, we know to feed ourselves gives ourselves water if we're tired to sleep. But it turned into, see, you need to love yourself. Mm. And you can't love your neighbor until you love yourself properly. And this self-love movement became a part of the church. You know what I mean? And, and you start really getting pressed out. And you're like, yeah, I need to love me more. I need to be, you know, the, and all of a sudden, it, well, then you can't love anyone, right? Because right. you're always trying to love yourself. And how much is enough? Like, how, you know, how do you love others if you're not loving yourself? How much love to yourself do you give before, you know, like, it gets mm. in this whole... Yeah, and you're only like thinking about you. If, if you want like even further evidence, just look at Ephesians 5 where he tells the husband to love his wife as he loves himself. And he even explains it. You know, do you not starve your own body? No, man, you eat, mm-hmm. right? When you're hungry, you sleep. Yeah. Or when you're tired, you sleep. Like he's very direct. Now do this for your bride. You know how to do this, but now you're doing this for her. Mm. It's, it's intrinsic in the scripture that we're good at self-love. Right. Yeah. So the fact that this is in the church, I guess the next logical question is, what does it look like? Like, what, what are some examples? And just, just a note to the listener, we may, we may talk about, there may be some things that come up here and you're like, wait a minute, uh, I've been following email this road for John a while. Email John Harrell. No. At, I'm just <laughs> Elijah Q. John's email. <laughs> no. Uh, well, if you need to talk, yeah, we'll, we'll talk. Uh, but, you know, you might get offended. You know, there might be something that, you know, kind of makes you bristle because that's something that you love or maybe something that you've been following. But, uh, you know, we're trying to come straight from what God's word says here. Uh, we're not attacking people. If we bring up any people, what we're taught, what we're called to attack is, is bad doctrine, just simply unbiblical ideas that cannot lead to anything good, um, especially when God has forbidden it in his word. So I have to get that out of the way. Uh, that being said, what are some areas, what are some things that, that you guys have come across when you look at the church, some things that are maybe happening inside the church that really just kind of reek or smell of new age belief and philosophy? Yeah, so I'll, I'll bring up a couple, and I, I know there's more to get to, but I'll be general. It's this idea that we need to uh, get away, right, and, and find the, the deeper parts of me hmm. And that is, if I self-discover, I'll become a better Christian, right? So, if, and and the reason my Christianity is maybe poor is because there's these parts of me I don't know and I don't understand. And so, the more self-knowledge I have, the more use I'll be for God's kingdom. Now, that has found its way into personality tests, into um, contemplative, meditative mm. um, routines and rituals. Um, trying to center yourself and calm yourself. And it's, it's a departure from Scripture that we're told to repent from our sins. We're told to be like Christ. Um, we're told in Philippians, you know, four, focus on these things. Think on these things. You're told all throughout, remember these things. Uh, remember the trustworthy word that was taught. Um, your word hidden in my heart. It's over and over again. It's centered around the Bible. And so the Bible is being replaced with finding what makes you feel loved and comfort and encouraged and tap in on that. And mm-hmm. then the better you will be the better Christian. So it's that idea that you, how are you supposed to know God if you don't know yourself? Right. Right. So you have to find yourself before you can find who God is. Mm-hmm. And 
Yeah, I would say, like you said, personality test. One of the biggest ones out there is the Enneagram that kind of made its way into the church um, through through different authors. Um, Richard War was probably one of them who who wrote a lot on them, but. Um, he wrote a lot of things about a lot of things. Yeah, but the, I would say that's probably like 20 years ago when it first started to come out. Um, what's interesting about the Enneagram is it's not even a psychological tool. It's not even Christian in any way, but it got taken over by a lot of the progressive evangelical Christian groups as a way to discover self and mm. um, thus being able to you know know why you do things and then learn how to be better, I guess. But the Bible is very clear why we do things. So here's my question on that and not to play devil's advocate, but I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I'm, you shouldn't advocate for the devil. <laughs> just joking. But on the Enneagram and any personality test, I feel like I a hundred percent see where it's rooted in, you know, ungodly, unchristian things. But like, when you guys say knowing yourself, as what's my way to put this, is is knowing yourself and is figuring out, say, your personality and maybe your motivations for doing things, is that inherently bad? I mean. No, it's, it's not bad. And that's what gets hard is no one is, or at least what we're not trying to do is demonize personality tests or mm -hmm. uh, meditation or contemplative prayer. It's... Um, what's the what's the conclusion of that information so if the conclusion is you know i'm an intp we'll use myers-briggs so it doesn't seem like we're picking on just the enneagram right and so you're like eric that was, you really offended me and i'm like well i'm an intp that's just how i roll okay <laughs> and you need to kind of learn the intp so that you can communicate with me better and it's like so you're not going to own responsibility that that was like mean or sinful or hatred or angry and I'm like, no, I gave you my letters. Now deal with it. <laughs> this is Adjust. just who I am. Yeah. And so that's where it's like versus saying, okay, um, I'm an INTP. That means I'm a little introverted. So I need to make sure I'm not offensive to people by my quietness. Okay. That's, that's helpful. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but do I need a personality test to tell me I'm introverted? You know, probably not. You know, do I, do I need to, do, so it's like, could it be helpful? Yeah. I think personality tests are helpful in your interpersonal relationships, you know, like, Oh, this is why I see and, and you explain it to a friend. You're like, Oh, I'm actually the exact opposite. Or, Oh, we share a letter. Like those are great. Like talking points for camaraderie friendship. Mm -hmm. um, but when it becomes an excuse to be a jerk or to sin or not own your sin or like uh, somehow it, it becomes overly spiritual um, that God designed you in this letter. And that's like, you like you introduce yourself as your letters mm -hmm. or your numbers. It's almost like a culture that comes around and if you start to believe in the culture and it, it, it's it's all about self right all of those personality tests takes it away from god and from his glory because it's about you mm. i mean that's pretty much what you're looking at um, not that it's not bad to look at why you do things and, and what you have those things that eric was talking about those those aren't you know rooted in psychology um you know the enneagram it comes from the new age like, i mean it comes out of occultist teachings um it started you know without getting into too much history, like the two main founders that we find the Enneagram today came from the Enneagon. Um, Oscar Achazo was a new age occultist um, in Chile in the 60s. Um, he had a student named Claudio Naranjo who put all the personality types there. And he says on YouTube, you can look at the videos, um, that you know his mentor you know claimed it came from a heavenly um, archangel or whatever. But he himself, Naranjo said, he got it from automatic writing which is um, kind of like we it's basically you open up yourself and you write. Hopefully the spirits will mm. um, give you the answers. So he said he got it it's from like his channeling. Yeah, it's channeling um, like to most people. That's kind of like the Ouija board, right? Yeah. It's that's the the um, commercialized version of it. And it was basically him. He, he was a, a, a um, new age you know, a cultist, a spiritual seeker, um, a psychiatrist in the 60s and 70s. And he says on YouTube that he got it from, um, he, I mean, they said originally they got it from an ancient source, but it wasn't. It really came from automatic writing and his observations. Mm -hmm. So, um, and they, you, you can go and look and read. I mean, go to the Enneagram Institute. It's a new age site. It has a lot of the history of where it came from and the personality types and how it can be helpful. Um, so... But that, but that's the thing, like 
doing it in itself, that's not, I mean, I wouldn't, but you know, if you did it, like it's not, it's not really, you know, a thing, but, but like a lot of the new age stuff, like Zodiac signs or, or this for you, you kind of start to look through your worldview Mm. of what it is right you see things that might not be there or kind of omit other things because you want that to be true yeah. um you know i'm a i'm a beaver and a and a you know a lion or whatever whatever form you're using golden you, retriever golden retriever right well that's what's interesting about this just my own kind of observation um is that it takes a little bit of self-awareness to have self-awareness so it assumes you're already self-aware and if you don't know what i mean take this in a group especially like with your coworkers and then your spouse. And so someone will say like, oh, I tested a lion. You're not a lion. You're a golden, you know, and you get in this fight. You're a turtle. It's like, <laughs> yeah. How'd you answer that? You know, you're, yeah, you're, you're a turtle. A turtle. And yeah. so it's yeah. like, there's this, well, are you taking the test on the perceived you, the actual you, your spouse, who you are at home, who you are at work, who huh. you are to your kids? Because you're going to get like a different, you, you know, so th- this is, it's not even like a true science of of who you are right and that's why well just keep it to the bible we're sinners that need jesus if you have jesus you're a child of god who needs to be like jesus right like stick to the script and your your personality you know sure it it contributes and it helps but the the driving force in our sin is our heart wants to not listen to god Hmm. right you know at the end of the day god says no and we want to say yes and we need to tell ourselves no um, because Christ died for our sin and paid for our sin, that we would be free from sin, not a slave to sin. Mm-hmm. But people want to move out of that narrative and make kind of like, well, my sinfulness really isn't that bad because it's really kind of my personality. It's kind of who I am, if you understood. And this is how I was raised, and this is the culture I came in, and, and you know, this is what I was taught. And it kind of just excuses away all the sin. And so, like, really the only people who are sinful are, like, murderers in prison. Mm. Right. Yeah. Anybody it, worse than me. Yeah. Who's done bad, worse things. Yeah. You know, uh, living for, for me, just kind of shifting gears a little bit on that, you know, coming from the world of worship, I know that we pick on Bethel quite a bit. You know, it's not just Bethel, but, you know, you've got churches like Elevation and Gateway and um, the way that they approach God, even in worship, really comes with this kind of oneness, we are all gods type thing. And for instance, the idea of prophets, apostles and new revelation. You know, you've got you've got very prominent church leaders right now who are in these churches who are coming out saying that they have a higher knowledge that they've received from achieving a higher plane in prayer with God. I mean, all of this just reeks of new age. New age. Um, you know, the law of attraction, like I said, with prosperity gospel, that that we can we can manifest the will of God here on earth. That if we have enough faith, if we worship hard enough, and that actually is a thing, if you worship hard enough, you know, then then it'll conjure God to come down and partner with us because we're all little gods. Theologically, even, we've, we've seen it where, you know, a lot of these leaders have taken to, you know, demeaning Jesus down to the point where he was just a man, not God. He was just a man who lived in right relationship with God. That's extremely troublesome. Yeah, that's, I think, the heart of all of it is they believe as Jesus was, so we can be or are. Right. And so whatever Jesus did, we can do. Because um, he accessed the Holy Spirit properly and did things in a way that moved the hand of God. And that's, that's, re- that's where it's departing from the gospel is yeah. when we're, Jesus is no longer um, God himself. He's just another guy who's mm-hmm. a good guy. Uh, and that's our example in morality and our basis of humanity. Instead of, you know, it's Colossians, Ephesians, like, no, he is God. He was fully God, fully man. And so that's where it becomes a category mistake. Like, we can't be Christ. You know, he was yeah. fully God and fully man at the same time. Um, we're to be like Christ, right? We're to, that's what we're to strive towards in our, in our purity, in our morality, in our relationship to the Father, um, to want to do the will of the Father. Uh but but to to literally take away Christ's deity and then make him us just misses it, what's plainly mm-hmm. taught in Scripture. Yeah. So my question is, when it comes to worship, yes, because I don't know as much of the inside baseball, you know, as yeah. you guys do. <laughs> but how do I know if I'm driving down the street? I have my Christian radio on. Like I know enough to know Bethel. We've talked on that, you know, in church before. But like, 
when I hear a song and I think, oh, nice melody, sounds good, like mm-hmm. this is all sounding good, but really it's not. Like how do I how do I know? How do I tell the this difference? This is a great question. So let's start here. And I think John and I get misunderstood sometimes. We're these mean like police, church police, you know. <laughs> And so, the worship police. Yeah, and we have the knuckles with badges. the ruler. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean we do badge. have badges, but we don't pull them out. But no, um, dish towels. We'll make the dish towels for those too. <laughs> yeah. So you read Hebrews thirteen seventeen, and and it tells you to submit and obey to your leaders because they're watching over your souls. And here's the key word: as ones who have to give an account. Mm-hmm. And so the Sunday morning worship service is not your car, it is not your house. Mm-hmm. It is not us at this table. And so the standards for the two are completely different. We're accountable for the preaching and teaching of God's word through song and and through preaching, right? So what the standard we hold there is very high because when you come, we want to know that, okay, Lord, we are singing songs that are to you and we're teaching from your word to your children, right? So that grid is very tight. Now, if you're in your car, that's a totally different atmosphere. Are you just listening to that music like you're listening to anything else? Then it's the same principles apply. Some some secular music talks about inappropriate things, right? So you obviously say, well, those things are wrong. This is good. Or maybe sometimes you change it. Cause like, wow, this song crosses a line. It crosses a boundary. Um, so for right there, just because, um, let, me, let me flip it around. Just because you play it in your car doesn't mean we would ever play it in the worship service. Right. Right. And in the same way, just because you hear a good podcast talk doesn't mean we would preach it as a sermon ever. Those are two completely different things. Yeah. yeah. So that's probably, I think, the most, the easiest thing to confuse. The second part is if we're, if, if we're going to call it worship, then that means it, it is praising God. So is the song focused on the greatness of God, the goodness of God, the sinfulness of man and how man needs God and how man is grateful that God sent Christ. Like that's kind of like your real quick gear. So then would you say that some of the worship that you might have seen changing some of that new age-ism or whatever, mysticism and Gnosticism coming into some of the songwriting, would it be more focused on ourselves and less on God? Or Yes, that? yes. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, and that, that really comes down. The, the ultimate initial sniff test, smell test. Sniff test? Smell. That seems right. Either one. The ulti- <laughs> the ulti- the first smell test for me always is you know asking the question who's who's the hero here mm. of the, of the song that I'm listening. Great to. question. Who's the hero here? Is it is it me and how and, and and my worth? Is it is it me and and how amazing I am? I was right. so amazing. God didn't want heaven without me. Right. Well, that's it, not true. It's funny you say um, that because I was talking. We were talking before this, and like, one of my favorite songs in the '90s was that song "Like a Rose Trampled on the Ground." You guys have ruined you, all the really good '90s worship songs for me. By the <laughs> way, above all, and I'm like, I love that song, and I started thinking, like, wait, you thought of me? You thought of me above, above all. all because yeah, I'm pretty amazing, but no, that's the opposite, right? right? Like, and I didn't really think about it, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's well, because you really wouldn't. I mean, right. like, especially when that for that song too, it's like mm-hmm. we grew up singing mm-hmm. a lot of those type of songs yeah and then now that you're kind of like peeling back the curtain you're like oh yeah and and you know as you as you get deeper in, in discerning these things you start to recognize a pattern it's either a feeling mm. that produces a quote-unquote truth or is it a truth that elicits a feeling in you yeah and mm. just take take like today's ending song right from worship uh it was all I have is Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. That's pretty admitting, like it's pretty honest. I have nothing, but I have everything if I have Christ. Yep. Like I'm nothing, right? Because if you're saying all I have is Christ, your personality letters aren't something you hold on to. Your gifting isn't something you're holding on to. Right. Your material worth, you're saying really all I have is Christ. That's very uh, honoring and worshipful or shows the worthiness that Christ deserves in worship. It, it, it's not like a, a symbiotic relationship where I get some praise and Christ gets some praise, right? And together we equal the praise team, right? <laughs> it's no, he gets all the praise because there's nothing good in me, right? And anything good that is in me is him. Mm-hmm. And so that's where in the worship service, we're there to worship. We're not there to sing, right? We're not there to have like a, 
uh, a kumbaya campfire, right? We're there to, to say truths to God because he's worthy. Mm-hmm. And that's why John can make the claim, everyone has a reason to sing. Mm-hmm. Now, if it was about like happiness and fun and just having a good time, then not everyone can sing because maybe they have cancer. They're in a bad situation in their job. They have family problems. But the reason it's worship is God saved us through Christ, therefore we celebrate. So the song needs to be celebratory, meaning that that it talks about God in a way that you can celebrate, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I feel like a lot of this really seems like it's all about self like Mm -hmm. all of it's the focus is on me and not on god and how do i make myself feel better how do i more understand myself to lift myself up to Mm -hmm. make myself feel better about the decisions i'm making and how i'm running my life and that's just a key thing i'm seeing like run through all of this yeah i I would say even more like i mean where we are in 2022 with some of the music and some of the things you know it's not that this has not been going on for a long period of time i mean over a decade ago you had a really great song Christ Alone mm-hmm. right and you had a huge theological debate of the writers not wanting to change it because you know major parts of the Christian world didn't like the fact that it said um, you know God's wrath was satisfied right mm-hmm. so you had this whole debate true um, because just within a really good song there was these these different views that were starting mm-hmm. um, but I would say like the whole idea of self I mean that's kind of our postmodern world right yeah. it's all about we where are we're going living in it every single day yeah. we're, we're marketed by it it's my happiness it's <laughs> yeah your happiness is preeminent well no and to, to maybe put a little biblical kind of bookend on this is you know this is what Paul faced you read through first and second Corinthians they're attacking Paul's leadership Right. And they're saying that there are these super apostles who do these signs and wonders. And they're saying that he has bet they have better manifestations, mm-hmm. right? Like the visible things. And so here's an opportunity for Paul to boast. And he's like, look, if I wanted to read my resume, I could, right? I really could. I love that. But if I'm going to boast, I will boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ is great. So good. And so if anyone had a chance, hey, look at my gifts look at what i can do look at this this is the true me living the actualized self right in the full weight he's like actually i'm going the opposite mm-hmm. i'm i'm boasting th- so that when people see me they go wow christ must be in him because he's nothing and so that that kind of gives you that framework of even then there was this temptation to praise the person and not god working through the person mm-hmm. right there's a big difference and so Paul makes it very clear. Because if anyone deserves street cred, it was Paul. It was Paul. Right? Right. Okay. And, and <laughs> so the one man who, who could says, no, 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 no. I'm not going there. I boast in my weakness because then you go, wow, the power of Christ must be great. God's the object, like John said, the hero. Mm-hmm. Right? And so when you start going down these other paths, it's, it's kind of co-authorship. I'm the hero and God's the hero. Right. And and more me, the more I discover and actualize and potentialize. And then it's less God and more me because I am being the God I was created to be. Yeah. Well, it's almost works, right? It's me yeah. and God. Yeah. It's, it's us doing it together. You know, well, it's like Leslie always tells us that's synergism. Right. <laughs> and we don't believe in that. I no. mean, I say that all, all the, time. the time. I don't yes. know how many times I've said that. No one ever hears me. But, you know, over right. and over She's again. She's over here telling us right. salvation is monergism. It's on my dish towels at home. Right. You know? Yes. <laughs> Good. All right. Well, hey, let's start to wrap this up here. And as, as we do so, let's let's take some time to just apply this. What in the world do we do with this? And, you know, I, I just want to kick it off just by just by saying this. I think, you know, one good smell test for new ageism um, as we see it today, you know, one, one place to start is, is this, um, is re- just, re- just remember this truth. There are no new ways to God. Mm-hmm. There are no new ways to God. And more often than not, whenever a new book comes out, it's the you know, next hottest book. And if you get this, you'll have a deeper relationship with God. And we see this all the time. And, uh, you know, there's these movements that go through the church and, you know, we just kind of eat it up just like the rest of the culture. But, Learn to just kind of let the hairs on the back of your neck stand up whenever you hear phrases like, you know, try this new method or, 
you know, here's, here's a, a new, qu- quicker, faster way, you know, to get in touch with God. Here's a new way to pray. Here's a new way to do this. The Bible doesn't really give us that. The old hymn, How Firm a Foundation, says it best. What more can he say than to you he has said? In other words, everything we need to know, everything we could possibly ever need to know, has been spoken to us by God in his word. Yeah. And for me, when you talk about new ageism in the church, I think, uh, or any of that, if it's new, if it's, you know, a different view or some kind of whatever it is, like, I start to think of, you know, what, why is it new? Why do we need it new? And I always go back to second Timothy three, um, two through seven, where it says for people uh, will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, uh, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to the parents, ungrateful, unholy, and skip down to four. It says they'll uh, be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, mm-hmm. but denying his power. I mean, that's one thing you've seen in all the epistles. The disciples and the apostles didn't care about death. They were okay with it. They knew it was coming. Um, and they and they wanted that glory. They wanted to die like their savior. Like yeah. they were more concerned about wrong teachings in the church and being people being led astray because it was such a huge thing so it's not it's nothing new yeah it's just looking at what is that new thing that yeah trying to think lead us astray. to get to the application of it is genesis nails it from the very beginning man will always be tempted with did god really say that okay it's and true. the and the way you find the answer to that question is to read the bible yourself mm-hmm. if you want to know did god really say it then read it yourself don't go find some outside source to tell you what God, that's chasing the, did God really say it? Mm-hmm. Okay. So then you're asking that guy, well, did God really say that? No, go read it yourself. And the Bible speaks to this. Just a couple, couple passages here. Colossians 2, eight says, see to it that no one takes you captive. And this is the keyword captive, right? Captures your mind by philosophy, empty deceit, according to human tradition, mm. according to the elemental spirits of the world. And here's the kicker, and not according to Christ. Mm-hmm. The Bible is very clear. Don't be taken captive by things that aren't Jesus. Right? The, the things you need to, to change you and help you be a better mom, dad, brother, sister, wife, husband, is found in the Bible. Praying through those things, practicing those things. As Philippians says, thinking on those things. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 6 tells us, I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, Mm. that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. Now, here's where this becomes very key, because everyone likes to talk about how knowledge puffs up and love doesn't. Okay, well, what is this getting at? Well, you get puffed up when it's, I have a secret knowledge that John doesn't, right? And I have this key insight that he doesn't. So I'm, you know, more evolved. I'm more, but if we're all held to the Bible and it's like, John, you can't do that. Are you saying that because you're smarter than me? Well, no, it's because the Bible says it. Well, then you're held to it too. Well, yeah, there's actually more equality, Yeah. right? In the knowledge of the Bible, because we all submit to his authority and God, the giver of that is perfect Therefore, he can give that. Mm-hmm. And it's actually way more loving that we all are held accountable to the same standard instead of like, well, my truth lets me do it, but not you. You haven't discovered that yet. Yeah. See what I mean? So that actually creates what the verse is saying. That It's like, don't get puffed up. Just don't go beyond what's written. And that's why they wrote it down that's so good. that we wouldn't. You know, so what's true then is true now. Stick to God's word, right? Confess your sins to people that can help you Go back to what is written, submit to what Christ would have of you, um, and, and and walk it with you in community. That's the other part of it is if you have other Christians with you going, I don't think the Bible says that. Let's let's look there together, you know, and, and mm-hmm. let's be held accountable. And in mm-hmm. doing that, that's where I think you find these spiritual growth moments that you're looking for. It's good. Is diving through it together, making sure you're not going beyond what is written. You're not falling for elemental spirits. You're not um, held captive by philosophy, being tricked by your own sinfulness. And that's just, for some reason, people don't want to grind in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd rather read a book and self-discover and commit to it themselves and not deal with it. So, I mean, with what we've talked about with New Ageism, I mean, 
a lot of new age philosophy pushes us to know ourselves better and a better effort to know God. Right. And it sounds like what you're saying is the polar opposite of that is what scripture actually yes. calls us to, that we need to be in his word to know who God is. And that in turn defines who we are. Yes. When yes. we understand who he is, it all begins is through and ends with him. Yes. Not us. Absolutely. I have a question. I have the Holy Spirit, right? So the Holy Spirit speaks to me. So, and it's saying that these things, you know, are beneficial. So how do we know or discern, That's good catch. you know, because, um, I mean, I believe that we have the Holy Spirit, but having the Holy Spirit doesn't mean you can't be deceived, right? Um, true. Very true. So, but how do you, with someone who, who's coming at it as maybe more spirit-led or in, in an evangelical way, like, how would you talk to them about, like, you know, mm-hmm. but the Spirit's telling me... Um, that these things are okay or I'm using them for the right reasons. Yeah. So I think book of James is always a great book that it's kind of your modern day Proverbs, but it, it walks you through different things. Like one, God does not change. It says there's no shadow or variation or change. So whatever that feeling is, it needs to be consistent with what God has already said. Right. So, um, an example, God is not going to tell you, to live with a girl that you're not married to, right? Like he's not, that's not the Holy Spirit leading you. That's your sinfulness because the Bible's clear. You leave and cleave, right? Mm-hmm. That the marriage of covenanting, that's where you do that. And so it's never going to lead you in that way. Second, you read in James three, right? Wisdom from above. It gives you parameters. What is wisdom from above? It's peaceable, right? It's a, it's open to reason. It's not selfish, right? So it walks through these things. So I love this example, probably use it too much, but it's just true. When I was doing high school ministry, and you know this, how many boys would tell me that God told me I'm going to marry her? And it's like, of course, she's way out of your league, right? Like, (laughs) of course that. Well, the other part, open to reason and doesn't lie, is that that would be reciprocated, Mm. right? And then all of a sudden you find a girl, well, God said so. I don't even like the guy, but I guess I have to now. That's manipulating. Well, and, and just to clarify, that wisdom isn't secret knowledge. It isn't, you know, Gnosticism. It's clearly stated in God's word. Yes. Right? My question, too, is like, say, for example, like I know we didn't really touch on like meditation. We kind of talked about contemplative and centering prayer, mm-hmm. which is in the same general family. But like, so there's stuff like that to where it's like they have workout apps that have sleep meditation, stress meditations, like those type of things where it's kind of in the gray area to where like, mm-hmm. hey, this person's calming voice mm-hmm. when I listen to it helps me fall asleep at like, but like it's, you know. But it's not cat- spiritual. No, well, that's true. And, but it's categorized under quote unquote meditation. So right. it's like, is that entering an area that's questionable? Or like if I'm not, that's not a stumbling block for me, like, is that okay? Yeah, I, th- I think I think we got to be careful. We're not trying to demonize everything. You know, when you're having like a panic attack and they tell you to breathe deeply and <laughs> kind of like clear your mind, like that's a good thing, no. right? But um, it's kind of, if there's a difference between taking a pause, uh, maybe finding some rest, having a quiet moment uh, versus orienting your mind around yourself, mm-hmm. right? So where all you're consuming your thoughts with, um, I, 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 instead of what the Bible says, think on these things, think, meditate on, remind yourself of thinking on who Christ is and then picturing, okay, that's how I need to act as a husband or a wife or a daughter or a mother or an employee, um, or a church member, however that looks focusing on Christ. Uh, when your meditation of self replaces that, that's when it's bad, but we would never say like, oh, You know, if if you're trying to work out and you're trying to, like, get your head straight or you're trying to fall asleep, you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. that that's somehow evil. Uh, It's when you're you're moving into more of the... um, Trying to find God through your inner self. Yeah, which is really finding yourself. Which, in a lot of that, like, because I find it fascinating, so I've looked into some of that, and it's it's always about clearing your mind, Mm -hmm. emptying yourself, trying to to read a, a different state of reality because I mean, it's very Buddhist in, in thought because in Buddhism, like your thoughts and your mind are like they're hazards. They're in the way of you reaching 
um, spiritual consciousness, mm-hmm. right? Which is very much what you can lead into if you're trying to clear your mind. Because the Bible is very opposite. It's very thoughtful. Look how Jesus prayed. Look how, you know, we're called to, to pray. Like, it's, it's very much focused on thinking, um, very much focused on his word, not the emptying of one. Yeah, mind. let me put it to you this way. This, this, that's a really good question. It got me thinking. Is the Bible actually never tells you to empty? Yeah. Right? It tells you to fill fill your mind that's right and it tells you to take off but then it tells you to put on right mm-hmm. so it says take off the flesh put these things but put on these things in christ so you're never supposed to it, it doesn't speak of this kind of neutral mind it tells you put off but put on so there is to be a focal point and that focal point mm-hmm. is to be christ mm-hmm. so meditation uh, can be a wonderful thing if you're meditating like we were talking about John was teaching at men's breakfast, which he did a great job, by the way, meditating oh, on God's word, right? Meditate, like thinking about it over and over and over and over again, mm-hmm. because we forget very easily. So meditation it, it isn't really the question. It's meditating on what? Right. Right. Okay. And why? Well, when you see it more, we're, I mean, we're talking about new ages within the church. We see it on some of the fringe um, parts of, of Christianity where, you know, they have this belief that um, God doesn't change, but our, our understanding of God changes, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. because, uh, you know, Israel was a warlike tribe, we saw God in war terms and wrathful terms, and then Jesus comes, more loving, more, you know, and so, so this, that God never changed, but human understanding, our human spirituality of understanding changes, so that God, so our version of God changes, because how we can understand. Yeah, Leslie God. was just talking about this process theology, right? right? yeah. yeah. That in process theology, God's always in process. Right. right? And so God's always um, evolving and changing and even mm. becoming a better God. Right. And, and he's revealing himself in, in all of, of finding yourself. That's very right? Mormon, right. actually. Yeah, it is. It's, so it's like Mormon Mormonism with mixed with, with uh, New Age mysticism. But, mm. but Mormonism, the, the whole thing is man became God or God became man, man can become God. It's the mm-hmm. same flow and thought. And the God you have is an incomplete God that's learning and evolving and changing. And your journey is to find out what those new evolved changes are and mm-hmm. becoming like them so that you can be the, the higher or highest version of yourself. Eric, you have to stop copying off my notes over here. I know. I mean, I'm really <laughs> know. starting to get upset. Like, do it, your own research. That's Jeez. right. I'm sorry. So at, I think at the end of it all, if we're wrapping it up, what we're saying is know the word that you need to be in the word daily. And it is for everyone. And yes, I know that there's a lot of you out there and you think I don't have a second to spare. I don't have a minute to spare. There's a lot of you moms out there that are just exhausted. Where in the world do I find the time? And a lot of the moms that? are like, I'd actually like to empty out my mind. But that's <laughs> not sounding too bad at this point. Little kid uh, yeah, yeah, I've but, seen that. But I will say John did speak yesterday at a men's breakfast and it was very encouraging. Do you have your statistics on reading the Bible? And it's like 25 minutes. A it day. takes uh, on uh, to read the whole Bible for the average person takes something like 75 hours. To read the whole Bible. Now, if you read for 30 minutes a day, which some of y'all are like, what? I can't even find that time. If you read, if you carved out 30 minutes a day, you'd read through the Bible in six months. In other words, you could read through the Bible twice. So 15 a minutes a day gets me. Would be a whole year. 15 minutes a day would be a whole year. Yeah. We can do anything that for 15 minutes. That seems doable. Right? Yeah, that for it, was very, it was very yeah. encouraging. I was he, like, I can here's, do this. Here's an encouragement I would, I would give that I've had to implement my own life is... Try to capitalize every minute you have. So if you have a car ride, what can you listen to in the car ride? If you have a car ride with kids, how can you discuss something so that you're orienting your mind, you're discussing, and you're keeping those mind muscles, Mm -hmm. right? And, And then those that your mind is always focused on the Lord. That's the Deuteronomy 6, right? You wake up in the morning, you teach. In the afternoon, you teach. At night, you teach. You're constantly teaching your kids about who God is and what God requires. So that rhythm, if you're, if you're a mom and you got housework, you got your, your, you know, your headphones on, you're listening, you have plenty of pleasant voices that speak the Bible, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And if you have to listen to it, maybe you listen to it 30 times and you probably only caught one verse that's still god uses that you know what i mean worship songs that are biblical those truths will stay in your head 
right? And John, I think even has a Spotify account for that, that people can find songs that, you know, our church sings. And those words, it's Psalm 118.11, they're hidden in your heart that you might not sin against him. And it's finding ways throughout your day to put the word of God in there over and over, even if it's in the smallest. So what I heard is it doesn't have to be 15 minutes. It can just be three, five minutes is what I heard. Three, five minutes. Some days, <laughs> Whatever it takes. The Some point days, is, that's what I was doing such good math today. Throw it away like a squirrel for the word, just little bits at a time little if you have to, truth. whatever it takes. Yeah. But get in God's word. It is for you, and it's God's revelation of himself to you in all truth. Um, also, what, we, what we're talking about today, not only do we, need, do we need to know his word, we, need, we do need to be discerning. Just because something is popular does not mean it's good. And just because something is all over the church and every Christian's talking about it does not mean it's good. Do your homework. I think that's a key thing um, because I truly feel some of the new agents um, stuff that comes into the church, um, it works. Some of it does work. Um, and not to say that it's good because I, I feel like often just because it, some of the things work doesn't necessarily mean it's good um, because we forget that the devil does prance around like an angel of light. Right, and Did if you say prance, 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 prance. You know, the devil prance. prances. Apparently, I like that. Um, prowling <laughs> lion, yeah, that's more scary. But yeah, um, I, th- I think I like the lion better. Yeah, but but <laughs> I, I just mean, don't see a well, lion. I see, I say prance because he comes as an angel of light. He's not mm. going to show up like a lion because that's scary. True. Right. So prancing doesn't seem. I don't know. Scary. Some people seem. I think to a think character lions from the Nutcracker seems a lot less <laughs> harmful than. The lion. Hey, but the way we're going, people think lions and tigers make good pets. Yeah. That never is going to work out for you. No, and those people. Oh my. God bless them. Yeah. Um, last but not least, and this, this goes, I mean, not that we're calling for the Gestapo here, but if you see something, say something. And what I mean is, you know, if your friends or your family members are getting into something that's just not of God's word, or you know this is something that is way out of left field, it is our responsibility uh, to reach out and say something, that this is a part of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ as we hold one another accountable. Yeah, I think where Christians could do themselves a huge service is whatever is in question amongst your friends, whatever the topic is, say it's marriage, it's parenting, rather than picking apart a personality test or a pop author, go to your Bibles together hmm. and say, like, how would we find the answer to this in the Bible? And if it's one of those kind of areas you're like, well, you know, I don't know what the Bible talks about that. Well, what's the essence or the heart of what the Bible is teaching Mm -hmm. and how can you get as close to it as possible? Um, and, and quit kind of turning it into, cause then you start fighting about what author and do you know them and do you know their heart and do you know the intent? Have you ever talked to them? And it becomes about bashing another person instead of, if we're trying to solve a problem, let's together seek the scripture and, and understand that the best we can and make a decision what we see there. Because that, that, that's neutral. We're all under the scripture's authority. It's good. Well, here we here at LBC are very serious. If you've been attending here for more than two Sundays, you probably know this. We are very, very serious about you knowing the Bible. Yes. Um, and we are trying to provide every single opportunity from, from zero years old to 120 years old. Um, we want you to know God's word. And so there are so many resources here at the church in terms of small groups, Bible studies, women's Bible studies, men's Bible studies. We've got life groups meeting in one another's homes. We have people who are just wanting to disciple and mentor other people. I mean, there are so many opportunities to dig deep into God's word. Uh, showing up on Sunday is excellent. That's, that's, that's the foundation also, there, there are a ton of great resources out there that uh, any of the leaders here at LBC, we are always, always looking to push onto you guys. <laughs> so if you have questions, if, if you want to grow deeper, just sometimes it's just sending an email, pick up a phone, find one of us on a Sunday morning and just ask. These are really important things. And yes, if you go to Spotify and look up LBC Worship and try and find us on there, uh, I haven't updated the list in a while, but I will do that tonight. So if you are listening to this, uh, go on and find LBC Worship on Spotify. Find our playlist, and there should be just a whole list of songs that are not only LBC approved, but songs that really, truly minister to my heart personally as well. So, I only have one more question. Okay. What's your Enneagram number? <laughs> oh, man. 
13. Oh, Every time I take that oh thing, I get gosh. a different answer. I, I, my wings change or this changes, and then I'm like, I don't know. It, it confuses me. I know I'm, I know my Myers-Briggs. I'm an INTP. Yeah, and I know my disc. No, people fight about the animals. Well, whether you're a lion or a golden retriever or an otter or a beaver or a turtle... The LBC Podcast is a ministry of Laurel Glen Bible Church in Bakersfield, California. Hey, if you're looking for a church family, we would love to worship with you in person. Our services are every Sunday, 8.30 a.m. and 10 a.m. You can pick, and we have connection classes going on during the 10 o'clock hour. It's a fantastic morning. If you show up, come and worship together with God's people at 8.30, and then go deeper in the Bible at 10 o'clock. We got something for every age and every stage. Hey, until next time, walk in the grace and truth that is only found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. On behalf of John, E, CK, and Minute, take care. Bye.